Is there any questions that you can think of of what I said that you want to ask something? Mm. Sorry, uh, as you are busy talking about children, yes. is it from what age to what age? Because some of us, we are uh, teachers of older children. Good. And I don't know, it applies to what range of ages because I may try this with teenagers and then I look at this stupid guy, what is he yes. doing? Yeah. You know, very interesting. I spoke the other day to gospel people bringing out gospel CDs. They did not bring out a gospel CD for children for, I think it's over 15 years now. And they say it's because children don't want to see children's stuff. They want to do what the grown-ups do. So at children's church, I see what we see in grown-ups church. Here and there, for your preschoolers, they want to sing still the other children from grade um, five they don't want to see that they want to see what the bigger children and then definitely I hear what you say but still all these things then you, the, what I said about five is more applicable with your teenagers I'm going to say maybe I must while you're asking it, you know what is the big problem today? Society has made teenage a very longer period. And the stats show that children's church is very important because we lose the children before they go into teenage. What does the stats show is happening with teenagers? From them, we get now pre-teens, we get teens, and we get post-teens. The teenage phase now starts as they go into their teens to 30. Because of society and people not taking their responsibility anymore. What happens further is the teens come to church and school and they behave in a certain way. Like there is a sub-group where teens are the way they want to be between teens. It's nearly like a false identity that they create on electronics, on the, you know, in the social media world. And if a child start going into that subculture, we lose them in the church. And we experience that with the teens in our church, definitely. Um, how, what we do, I will tell you, it's a very good question, thank you for asking it. We've got children's church, and children's church go up to grade six. And then they go into the youth ministry. At youth ministry, we see them on a Thursday evening, but they are back full-time in church with their families because they can sit still longer. So you get also two schools of thought about children's church. Some churches say, we want to have the children in sermon. 
Others say take them out and go babysit them. Lyndon decided, and that's my point of view because it was me that decided that, I take them out for 28 weeks a year while there is public schools. Those Sundays they come to children's ministry from the start. We do praise and worship, we do our own teaching at their level. You go to all those Sundays to the new building which caters for families. But we take them out one evening a week. For us, it worked better on Thursdays than on Sundays. Some churches do it on Sundays. And then we run small groups with them, like cell groups nearly, with the different age groups, grades nines, tens, elevens, and then they go obviously in the uh, confirmation group. My experience with the, with the teenagers is you can put whatever music on, they hardly sing. Because they go through a phase where they feel so uncomfortable within their own skin. They are so aware of what people think of them that they hardly want to participate. So, definitely for them, then newest gospel music that you can get that your congregation allow you to use you will use for them we make use of a lot of movies and video clips for the teenagers and then we look at this together and we say fine you've seen this let's discuss and then the facilitator bring the bible in the old time and say, what about this? And you try and, and change their perspective of how they see real life. So for me, children's church, so important because that's the 4-14 window. If they're 14, they're already a teenager. Then we might have missed them already. And actually, on one of the slides, I've put it, Barna is an American researcher, theologian researcher, and the stats is very um, reliable and we use that. I, I follow it because I want to see what happened in the world. Why will I reinvent a wheel? And I do realize we must also be very careful. America is not everything. We Africa. We are different. <laughs> but we don't always see the stats in Africa because nobody wants to research it. So I take stats I use my own experience and my own knowledge and I form what I, I want to form. But the, um, the statistics worldwide show we're losing children before they go into their teens. And then the teens start a subculture. And the only way what you can use at church is not to tell your teens, have groups, have a group situation and you as facilitators sit back and you watch how they communicate, what they communicate. Then you can break into that subculture because then you start, when they start 
functioning as a group, you can see how they function. Whereas still most of the churches, we want to then evangelize the team. Where our window is nearly gone, and yes, success rate is still better, but there you must even sit back more, watch the dynamics, and speak truth into the dynamic. If our teens, I mean, if, pre, if, if, if primary school children, you must really uh, discover the Bible together. In teens, we need to discover where they are and then take them out of that into what does the Bible lead us into. But you're completely right. If you, you might, uh, the teens are not going to do this. <laughs> no. I must also admit to you, the Gogo of 70 is also not going to do that thing. And when I take the children into church, I tell the goggles of 70, if you cannot do this, give your medical certificates. <laughs> because we must make people aware. It doesn't matter how old your body is, your heart. There's a child in each one. But the problem is, people, we all, if we take all the nonsense away, the human being, each one, if we strip naked and it's just your inner core, everyone just wants to feel okay. And we look around us and if people make us feel not okay, we start feeling bad. And my aim with children is to teach them it's okay, this inner core, it's okay to look at people, but first start looking at what your heavenly father said. Because if you know what he say about you, and if you know the truth, then these other things become less. There's one thing that I do, I've done it with the teenagers as well. It's an African storybook that was written by Max Lucado. Punker Molsi. And Punker Molsi got stickers. And when somebody say good to him, around uh, a star, a golden star go on him. And if somebody say something bad, a red sticker go onto him. And then after a while, he's so full, because he hear all the bad things, he's so full of all the bad things that he feels so bad that he cannot hear. And that's basically what happened in our life. And teenagers, I'm sure you know it far better than me, if you don't get to their heart, if you don't become part of them, you will never have an influence on them. Never. But you will definitely not sing these songs to them. No. 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 Okay. Let's have a look. What is our... How do we do faith formation in children? And some of these slides I've got from Modcats. Modcats is a children program that's written in Afrikaans. It was developed by the Dutch uh, Reformed Church, by Dion Kitchener and his people. So how do you do faith formation in children? And I think for most of us sometimes, Trying to do faith formation in 
if I say children, I talk now anybody at school. Okay, it feels like this. We are scared because it is such a daunting task. It is just such a huge, huge responsibility. But the first thing we need to know is who are these children? Who are this youth group? We must understand the child. If we don't understand the child, if he's six, we must know what a six-year-old can do. If he's 16, we must understand the frame of reference of a 16-year-old. Very, very important. So we need to know who is this child. And they're talking in generations normally. We are now busy with a generation, what they call Generation Gen Alpha. And this is a very unique generation. I actually yesterday had a discussion. The lady that do, I've got two teams. I've got a team that is, they facilitate us. I call them my tour leaders. We tour through the Bible with the children. They're the tour leaders. I'm not talking about teachers at Children's Church. They're my tour leaders. They lead the children through the Bible. And I've got a creative group. The creative group must do all the work. If I need a piece of wool, they get the piece of wool together. And the lady of the creative group phoned me and she said to me, Danielle, I don't want to make trouble, but somebody is not doing their job right. I said, tell me. She said, I'm busy counting the first terms, programs, and all the worksheets for the children. I hardly need to try to stack any worksheets for children. I said to her, I'm part of those ones that don't use the worksheets anymore. Because children don't want to do worksheets anymore. Because it reminds them of the school. And why do we do a worksheet? We do a worksheet to repeat what we've discussed. So rather let them testify and let them tell you what they heard. Because, I say this, because Jen Alpha followed up by Gen Z, and Gen Z before them was Gen Y, which was the millenniums. Those are the people, the millenniums, it's their kids now. So this generation is the first generation that don't know a life without electronics. Now I want to give them a piece of paper, but their 3D scan was on the internet before they were born. And we must change our heads around that. We must take in account these kids, what are they used to? When I start talking and I say the year the TV came in, I give away my age. Because <laughs> TV came in in 1976. And I only remember that because that was a year of trauma in my life. Not trauma because it was the Soweto riots, and praise the Lord for the Soweto riots. My dad got burned and I nearly lost my father. So in my head, if I hear TV, I hear 
Soweto, Dad nearly died. That's what's in my brain. But those kids don't care if there wasn't a TV. They just care about the fact they want also a cell phone because all their friends got cell phones. So this generation, I'm going to spend a little bit more time, and that will help you also, with what do you need to do then there. Now, what is our challenge when we do faith formation with children? We need to pull quite a few things together here. First of all, there is the theological framework that we need to take in account, and I'm coming back to that. There is the context in which faith formation is happening, because your context and my context can be two different contexts. Do you see why I say I cannot come here and give you a recipe? My contacts within the Dutch Reformed Church is completely different to the context the Dutch Reformed Church in Palabora got. Because I sit in the middle of Joburg. They, I think now Palabora, the, the pastor's wife had to, to drop something off at me and she phoned me. She said, I'm going to the dome. Just give me an address. I'm dropping this off at your home. I said to her, I think you don't know what you're talking about. The dome is 40 kilometers from me. I said, it's like Palabora Zanin. Difference, load shedding, traffic, traffic lights, exactly the same. We need to take our own context and work out of that context. Then you've got your spiritual and emotional expectations of your youth. And that's exactly what you said now. I cannot tell my teenagers to sing the song. And then you also got your practical reality. What do you have at your church? And we need to keep those four balls up all the time. If we drop one of those, we've got a problem. Sorry, I just want to get my water. Now, what is the context of our children? First of all, we've got a generation of technology. Both multimedia, post-truth. The world out there tells them there's no right or wrong. If you say something is right, you offend somebody. That is what this whole wokeism is that is rising up. I cannot believe how quickly this whole wokeism started. I heard about it 18 months ago. I started reading things in America, and it's actually around us. Our schools say toilets are not allowed to be boy or girl. I don't know if you get to schools. The schools in my neighborhood all just say toilets now. You're not allowed to say male or female. You need to count your words the whole time. And so this mass media influence our children. And if we don't see that the children to our churches get exposure to all the media, to all they all got TVs in their house, they all play on their mom's cell phones. They and the whole world is telling them there is not truth. 
And what do we tell? This is the truth. This is the truth. We need to hit that pen into the ground. My child, I, I had to address this here, two things at Children's Church. I had a long discussion with my pastor, Pastor Jacob, before I did it. I had to talk about science and evolution and religion because the children don't know what to do. But we say to them, you must read it in this way and they see science and religion standing like this. And once again, I get back to what I told you, they can see the signs because they see fossils. They see those things, then they say, oh, but then the people had lied about the Bible. So let's leave the Bible. We had a congregant in our church, lovely children of God, and the teenager nearly lost her belief because she was intrigued into science and she see the facts. She can, the proof is there. And she came to the conclusion that the Bible lied. And we must not do this with children. Science is there. It tells us the how. What is the Bible? It's the love letter of God. Tell why God wants a relationship with us. Why He love us so much. Tell us about our redemption, but we must not tell children this must prove science. We are doing our children with this honor if we position the Bible and science like this. Because our schools are feeding our children with evolution theories and all wokeism and all these things. Now, I must tell children they can choose from small. Do they want to be a male or a female? I'm sorry. My Bible says God created man and woman. And I must build into them that truth so that I don't even need to repeat it and repeat it. It must just become part of them. But we must know if we position the Bible against things, then sometimes children chose against the Bible because if they see something different, they go with that. But technology, multimedia, we're in a post-truth society, so that's, a society, uh, that's our context. Now, Barna, I said to you, George Barna, the researcher, he say all these things that I've just showed you those ones. The, oh, sorry, the context. All the different, and the, there's more. I just took a few. All of that tell a child. All of these things have taught them that they don't have to connect the dots the way their parents did. What you have to do is just reacting to whatever you see out there, and as long as you feel good, as long as you can make some sense out of it, that's good enough. As long as you feel good. We must be careful to make children just have fun. We must make, be careful to always give children treat. Mommy, come back from work. Here's a sweetie for you. 
if you go and do research on agility of people to be able to bounce back, it's all these treats, all these fun-filled activities that make children that they cannot cope. Because whole society say, we feel good. Even in our churches, children will sit and they say, oh, it was such a good evening. I felt so good. The worship was good. If you cannot find God in the silence, there's a problem. And we need to be very careful just to make children feel good. Do you get teenagers in your, in your group? And the teenagers already are in that trap of just want to do things that feel good? The only way that you're going to change it is by relationship. If somebody talks to you and they don't have a relationship, it goes in here and it goes out there. If you've got a relationship with somebody, it goes in, it goes by the heart, and then it might go out. But we mustn't bypass the heart. We need relationship. Relationship, relationship is one of the most important things. Let's have a look. What is our practical reality? Our practical reality at churches quite often is we've got limited space. Uh, limited time, sorry. We got limited space as well. We've got sometimes very small groups. We think, there's only three teenagers in this church. Is it worth it? Yes, it is. Um, your material is unorganized. When I had to come here today to present, before you were here, I put all my things out here on the table. Lewis, was wise to tell me I must cover it. I thought you all grown-ups, you can see it. But I will never show it to children beforehand. I know what I was going to tell. I know what I needed. I was planning. We need to be organized. The moment you can be unorganized with grown-ups, just like I said, unorganized with your thoughts, then you can preach for half an hour. That doesn't work with youth or children. You, you've got a focus area. Youth, between 15 to 17 minutes. Children, 10 minutes, and you're done. <coughs> Limited time. If there is any church that takes the responsibility for children's faith formation, they're doing wrong. The Bible is full of it. It is the parents' responsibility. What is our responsibility as a church? To help parents. Yes, I know we get lots of children in our children's church and they, that don't have maybe parents then we try and bring mentors out of the congregation that help those children as well. But I cannot. Let's say I'm a mega church and I do every Sunday children's church. There's 52 years 
in at 52 weeks in a year. Say your sermon go on for two hours. That's 104 hours a year that you've got those children. Their attention span is 15 minutes. Make the calculation. We start talking of minimum time that we've got with those children. We mustn't take that responsibility. It's the church's responsibility to help the parents. But the main responsibility is the parent to form his child's faith formation. And that's also by, I don't know if your church do dedication or baby baptism, but that is the aim. Both those things parents commit to say, I will look after my child's formation of faith. It's not the church's responsibility. But what can we do? We can help. When I arrived at Linden, they said to me, do children's ministry? Fine, I do children's ministry. What do I do with children's ministry? I help parents. I, I empower parents to take up their responsibility. I participate in courses where parents can get healing for their issues that they've got. Because if parents are healthy within, then the children go back to a good home. That's why I do First Steps Evergreen Parenting. That's why I do Tall Trees. It's all things that I can empower parents with. Because I cannot, in my 104 hours a year, make a big difference. But I can empower parents to make that difference. And I believe in churches in a mentorship program where elderly people take responsible for fatherless or motherless children. And they don't, they just, it's a mentorship program that there is a grown-up speaking life into that child's life. What is our spiritual and emotional expectations of the youth? I'm going to do them all and then we can look at it. Our youth are looking for a spiritual home. And we need to build relationship with them. As I said earlier this morning, children and youth smell fakeness a kilometer apart. Don't come and pretend. Be authentic with a child. If you've got a headache that day, say you've got a headache. If your heart is sore, tell the child, I'm not feeling well today. You're going to get much further with that group than when you say, make out as if you're the, the bright one and you will, you know, you're always on top of the ball. If we're always in a good space, if we always do things right, where will a child ever learn about grace? You need to be not okay to receive grace. And that is part and parcel. Children that get brought up in perfect homes got issues. They got issues because they're not allowed to fail. I had a little child that was brought up in a perfect home and she committed suicide because she wasn't perfect. We must be careful what we live out in front of our children. Words don't influence children. Deeds. They watch you wherever. When I, 
uh, it was when I studied my lecture education, when I studied education, the lecturer told me a story. And it had such a big influence on me. We, the church is the primary school that most of our children are in, is across the road. Then sometimes the other people say, let's go and drink the coffee at the coffee shop. And I go to the robot, I stop at the robot. I stand, they want to walk. After 14 years, they all stand at the red robot with me. Because we must be very careful what we do in front of children. We've got the cognitive development. We've got the brain cells to think. Today is an exception. There's no traffic. I can walk over. The child don't have that. And then that child get killed on a road. And he did what he saw growing up. I was at a school and the little girl got knocked over in front of the school. And the mother asked her, why did you cross the road here? She says, I saw my teacher. Then on the back at the ranch, I was at the Children's Church Seminar. They brought in somebody from America. I, never I don't even know this guy's name. He was trained very well in this American style of presentation. He was jumping on the table when he was standing, talking, running, talking there again. And it was actually a big spectacle. But <laughs> that man said one thing. He said, I am today a world speaker. I am a children's pastor because of a children minister that spoke life into my life and said to me, I'm okay. Because I did not have a father to be example at home. I did not have a mother. I was in a children's home where I just every day were rejected that somebody believed in it was my children's pastor. You don't know that one child that's sitting in front of you. You might be the only one that speaks positiveness and acceptance in that child. We must not miss those opportunities. We must not miss that opportunity when that teenager feels so awkward in his own body. And you say, oh, that couple on the chin, where did that come from? Got nothing to do with you. That child will want to jump out of his own skin and he will never talk to you again. So we must be very careful. Relationship, relationship, relationship. Okay, so these kids are in desperate need for a spiritual home. But unfortunately, our society, everything is about instant gratification. I mean, lots of people know I'm here this morning, they're busy phoning. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's above my brain that if I want to buy underclothes in a shop, I must now answer clients. Everybody wants instant gratification because we, all the knowledge is at our fingertips and that's the way the children get brought up. I'm sorry, I don't know about you. God's timing is his own timing. Yes. Sometimes it's short, sometimes it's long. Sometimes it doesn't make sense to me. We must <coughs> present a God to children that is not an instant gratification, but you want your best 
We must be careful what we do. Then, then we wonder why prosperity gospel is going wild and why this kind of gospel is going wild and this, this. What do we feed our children? We prepare them for the long term. We need to, if you just give a child or a teenager a Bible text and you don't give it to him, how can he use it in his world? You're losing the plot. One of the best books I've read this, this year, or last year, going into this year, is Mama Bear Apologetics. If you don't make use of apologetics, that's basically to empower children to take the Bible and make it applicable in their life, in the issues that they experience. If you don't empower your child with that, you're going to lose those people. And I don't think that is responsible. The days of just teaching children the way I was taught, sitting and saying our Bible verses, is over. We must bring it. The onslaught from the devil is so high on our youth. We must make the connections for them. Uh, equipped for decision making. That's what I've said to you, the files in the brain. They must be written. Drugs can kill you. So that if the temptation comes and that child's friends ask him, do you want to use drugs? At least he can make an informed decision. Accommodation of unique talents and learning styles. Just now, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that one. Uh, they want their issues addressed. It's, you know what, that's why at my church we work with the teenagers. We actually do it with the confirmation group as well. What we do in the beginning of the year, if they arrive and they roll in, we give them a paper and say, everything that you wonder about in your head, write it down. Everything. We don't even want to know a name. We close it, and afterwards we open it. And we see that in that year, we address all those issues. Because teenagers, quite, they think about pretty much the same kind of things. So at the end of the day, you come up with 20 things, and then you address those things. But then it's your teenagers' hearts that you've learned. Because they put it... And we always say don't put a name on because that child that got a question about a sensitive topic will have the guts to write it and we space them don't look over the shoulders they write their thing put it down put it here and we try and address all those issues because we want to be relevant we don't want to teach them something that they don't need uh, when we started I think it was with you that Jacob was discussing. Jacob was discussing about a guy that years ago did a doctorate degree on something that is not even relevant today. We want to be relevant. Teenagers, they don't, they're not interested if you're not relevant. Then they're not coming again. Respect and acknowledge of their right to participate. 
If you stand and you want to teach them, they take the minimum. Actually, and I will discuss it a little bit further, there's just certain temperaments that love it when you tell them this info. The rest, using it. So, basically, by teaching children and not give them time for participation, you don't even touch 25% of the children sitting in front of you. Okay. Then, your theological framework that you need to work in. There must be a commitment element. People need to be committed. For example, what do I mean by commitment? Depending on the age of the child or the youngster. I do apologize because I keep on looking in that direction and then you get my shoulders. That was the first thing I got at one stage of my life. I was living in Italy and the Italians, well, they're Catholics, but uh, they always turn around in the church. I was brought up in a church where they slap you when you turn around. I go to Italy, they turn around and they tell you in Italian, excuse my back. Now I think, how do you want to sit that <laughs> I don't see your back? But I, I keep on realizing you two are getting most of my back. I'm sorry about that. Uh, commitment. At our church, at my church, we work where there is only two people responsible for a great group. Also with the teenagers, because it's about relationship. That little one, the younger they are, the easier they sometimes share. The older they go into teenage phase, the more close they become. But if every week somebody else is there to do the group, when do they build relationship? When do they start sharing their heart with you? So, and one thing of that commitment element is also to be committed that if you hear something, you don't talk about it. I mean, I know if that child, I, I've, got, I've got an issue with that. Parents come to me and say to me, my child don't want to share anything with my child, with me. There's a few things I want to mention to you. What do we do when a baby cries? Put something in the mouth. Give them milk. What is the first message a child gets from birth? You cannot say how you feel. I want to change that. You're not allowed to scream now. I want to change it. When I do baby stimulation groups and a child cries, I say to the mom, leave the child to cry. Because we want the child to have a voice. What happens when a child comes and confined in their parents about something. Hey, you know what, there's a boy at school. He's saying pretty. The child that looked around with her and she looked and somebody gave her affirmation of being good. What does the parents do? Next week, the friend is sitting and the child must hear the mom said, you know what happened with my child at school? A boy told her she's cute. That child tell you nothing again. 
You see how he has grown up new things to children and we wonder why they don't talk to us. I will not come and tell you things if I hear you tell her everything. Don't think your friend is cute if she tells you something about another person in the church. I'm not interested because tomorrow she tell my things again to the other person. So even me as a grown-up will not confide in that person. Be careful how you ruin the trust of children and teenagers. You've got one opportunity. That's why if I promise a child something, I stick to my promise. If a child in my baby stimulation group asks for a toy and to, uh, uh, they arrive and they read books, then a child comes in late and the child will get the opportunity to read the book. I say, when it's playtime, I'll give you a book. I tidy up, the child settled. I must remember. Playtime comes, I take the book out, I give to that child. It's important. I cannot ruin that child's relationship with me. And that small things ruin relationship. We must think relationships relationships all the time. Um, I want to come to the mystery element. God, there is a lot of mysticism also in theology. We must be very careful and find the balance because the evil one also uses it. So we mustn't overstimulate it, but we mustn't let the devil steal it from us. Children in their development like of power figures. And instead of telling them about He-Man and Hulk and all these things that Disneyland is creating to derail our children, we can tell them about the power of Jesus Christ. But I am very wary. I make use of signs to attract children. But I will always explain the science factor that they never think it's magic. Magic and Jesus, you must never file that together in a child's head. Because if they then start realizing how magicians work, they think Jesus is also just a magician and he doesn't have power. So be very careful how you file those things in, in the child's brain. Then relationship. I, I'm not saying anything more about relationship. You hear my heart. You cannot do anything without relationship. If you got a relationship with a person and a person come and tell you what you've done now, it's not so nice. There's no relationship. You don't want to hear about it. That person is the wrong one. So relationship, relationship. Informing years is so important. Knowledge. If you don't know anything about the Bible, I'm sorry to tell you, then you don't belong in children's ministry. You do need to know your Bible. You need to know, you need to study. You need, if you wonder about something like a, a topic that is very hectic, like I've addressed science and religion, I was chatting it through with Jacob till I knew I could talk with confidence about it. Also, different churches got different points of view because we're all humans. 
and we interpret the Bible different. Make sure you're in line with your pastor. We cannot teach something to children that is not accepted by leadership. You're looking for trouble. Not just with leadership, also spiritually you're looking for trouble. So stay within the framework of the church. Build relationship with your pastor. If you're here today and you don't, you're in children's ministry and you don't have a relationship with your pastor, phone him up and say to him, I said it's very important. Give my number to him that he phoned me. <laughs> it is important. And there's a lot of churches that doesn't function on that. And it, it, it come and bite them from the back. We cannot function without relationship. But up your knowledge that you know. If you... Preparation, preparation, preparation. I had a child. Actually, it's in the 15 years. I had two children. That could correct me on my Bible facts. Just because they knew their Bible that well. So make sure you know your facts. But this new generation is also not so interested in all the facts. As long as the principle is biblical and right. But I make a point of, I teach the children. In the Garden of Eden, it wasn't a apple on the tree. The Bible says it's a fruit. Teach the children correct. The other night, we were doing Bible school on wheels. And he's a very good teacher and everything. But Bruce Wilkinson made one mistake. He used the apple. And the little boy that's in there with the Bible school jumped up and he said to, your, he said to me first, It wasn't an apple. He said, I know it. You're so clever. Well done. So at the end of the Bible school, I said, sorry, Yaakov. This little one wanted to say something. He walked to the front, he said, he always forget that the uncle is wrong. It wasn't an apple, it was a fruit. And then he mustn't feel offended by the children. Well done for him that he had the guts to respectfully wait his turn speak the truth. Acknowledge that. Don't see a child that wants to now show off or something. Acknowledge you waited. At the right place, you could say that. So, um, yeah. Get your knowledge. We've, uh, it's very interesting. In, <laughs> we've got a lady in our church. Uh, in our congregation, there's also a home for paraplegic people. And her kids, she would not mind mention her name. She's in a wheelchair. But that woman cannot walk. But she can memorize the Bible. Okay. So she corrects Yankov sometimes in the middle of his sermon. <laughs> so you must have your facts right. Okay. So don't, yeah. Good. A uh, little bit of water. Material suited for children and youth. Once again, yeah, I come to the point. You would not give baby songs to teenagers. You're not going to give a sermon that you give to grown-ups to children. 
we need to take their age in account. First of all, children are experiential based. What does that mean? Don't think you bring something very valuable into your lesson and you just want to show the children it from a distance like this. Because they want to feel it. They want to touch it. They want to do things with it. So what you bring into, they want to explore things. So if you feel something is valuable to you, don't bring it into the classroom. Okay, <laughs> don't give it to children to explore. So they, that same principle, you cannot just give them one verse. Ask them what they hear. They want to explore. We call it, let's kick the ball around. I kick the ball to you, you kick it back. I kick it to you. That's not arguing, it's exploring. They want that experiential-based uh, opportunities. There's faces that they... Let's, let's be true to one another. To be able to see the power of our almighty God is wow. But we must be careful that children don't get fascinated by that and then get deviated into the evil ways. So, it is they like to see that God is powerful. And one of the questions that I suppose parents also phone me about, they will always tell me, um, I don't want my child to always think between right and wrong. I don't want my child to be scared of God. Guys, that is how moral development happens. You first become scared because they're going to give you a fine or put you in jail, and then you're going to do it because it's the right thing. So once again, then I take the parents through steps of child development, or, or the teachers will know more about that, that moral development. And that's why I say we must leave it for the, the teachers in the people that got studied, that studied in the direction of educational psychology to explain those kind of things. But it is, yeah, it is important that children get the opportunity to develop their normal development. What do I find quite often, again, is that parents or grown-ups is against something and then it is because of their own hurt. Do you see why I say if you've got unresolved issues, sort it out. Otherwise, you once again carry it over on that child. Okay. Multimedia, it is not always possible. I always say if you can just sit under a tree, then at least have a storybook with a kind of picture or have something. Use mediums. Uh, for example, um, have a cross, have a stone in your hand, and say, oh, you know what I've got in my hand, then they don't know, and you can pay attention, and you say, oh, you know what the Bible says, if we don't praise the Lord, even the rocks will shut it out. 
one very, 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 very important. Most people make a choice between 6 and 12 years. Remember I told you that one hour a week. That's not enough. When I got to them, they told me uh, you must minister to the children. And my first reaction was not even 10%. The children will not even get 10% of faith formation if I just give them Bible teachings. I need to give them the love of the Lord. We at my church say people don't, and I don't know, now it's a language barrier here, um, confirmation is, in Afrikaans we say, beleidness van geloof. 
You don't come and testify about your belief. You say, I'm taking up my belief and I walk now. Because it's not you must come in and you must know all these facts and you tick it off. You must say, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And you commit to take a lifetime to know more of him. But sometimes we want children to know these things so that they can stand up and say, I'm a Christian. And it's a balance. Hear me right. There's some churches that the moment that you say, Jesus Christ, I baptize you and you shop. We mustn't dilute religion, but we must keep the balance. Um, this story of Jesus Christ, the message of Jesus Christ is most probably the most important message that a child will ever hear in his life. If a person chooses Jesus as his saviour, the ultimate decision you can ever make. And if you sit here today, you are sitting here because you've got a passion to carry that over and we must take that responsibility up. We standing up and turn around at this level. Then I will quickly tell you about the children. I know, I'm pushing you, I'm pushing you. we just got so much time. I'm so sorry. We, I could talk a whole week on this topic. Fantastic. Uh, 12 minutes, then we're going to eat. Okay? Yeah. That's it. Let's be strong. We've got a problem with the children or the youth or the people in our churches. Some people do feeling, some do watching, some do thinking, and some do doing. The ones that's in education will know we talk about children are different learners. Some need to move with their bodies, some want more facts, some want to do something as well. And it's very important that we take this into account. And the kind of learner you are is very much overlapping with what kind of temperament you've got. And I'm just going to show you the four temperaments of evergreen parenting. They talk about a lollipop, they talk about a rose bush, a palm tree, and a pine tree. And that is what I said to you, that first steps evergreen parenting all is about. And I'm not married with evergreen parenting, but it is really after my studies in psychology, it's actually more valuable to me than my degrees in psychology. Because it is biblical based, because I had to go through the knowledge that I've built up over years, and a lot of psychology stand against the Bible. So I had to pray for lots of wisdom to distinct what is true in psychology and what is not true, because it's human-made. And with that, I will always say to people, I'll never just handle a person at spiritual level in counseling. God made us body, soul, and spirit. I always address, but I 
we must be careful what we just take from psychology. I worked with children that the psychologist taught the child, just, if, if life is not good for you, just imagine, talk, start talking with your imaginary friend. No, 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 no. There's no imaginary friend. If you talk to Jesus Christ, that's fine. If we start giving children imaginary friends, we open them up for voices in their head and yeah. a demonic intervention. Mm -hmm. We mustn't do that to our children. So, Evergreen Parenting, I'm going to give you an example of one of those people that you can just... Uh, your, if I go one step back, just to give you the link, the children that feel, most of them that feel the whole time are the palm trees. Those are the people, think about a palm tree, it's by the sea, it's on an on a island, it's where people are having holiday. That little pine tree is five years at school, you think he's there to entertain the teacher. Then you find out, actually, you must study something. Okay, so those are the children that scream the loudest, that run around the most. Those are the kids that give you the most headache because they don't want to sit still. Okay. Trevor Noah. Uh, the, Trevor Noah is a pine tree, uh, a, a palm tree. Okay. Uh, all your entertainers, the people that sing, that play music, they all palm tree. They are the feeling people. Oh, I don't feel well today. They want you to talk in your teachings, feeling. Their ears only hear the words of feeling. If we don't talk feeling words, they miss it. Then uh, to the other side. Watching. That's are your little lollipops. They just sit in. If you say please don't let's do If you force that child to do something, if you force that teenager to stand up and say something about him. You hurt that person. You lose that person. You're, you're doing kids and you're thinking kids. You're doing kids is your rose bushes. Your rose bushes is your Donald Trump's in life. Eat me, I eat you back. Uh, you tell me this, why do you say that? Uh, they also, they, they want to control. They don't take what you say. And they are the people that, uh, as I said, they are the, the doing people. And then your um, thinking people are your pine trees. This pine tree example I can give you is our beloved President Mandela. I looked the other day again at Photos of him. He came out of jail. He walked down the street with the people. At the rugby, he walked with the people. That was his leading style. Let's go. Let's walk together. Because he's a thinker. He thinks things through. And he takes people with on a journey. With him. Um, lollipop tree. An example in the Bible as most probably Mr. Noah. 
God said to Mr. Now, go and build the ark. He didn't argue how many centimeters God gave him the dimensions. He didn't go one over or one less. He just did what he needed to do. And that was it. And unfortunately, our schools cater for those little lollipops. These other three children, the rose bushes become the rebellious in the, in the school. <laughs> the palm trees are all the ADHD children. They, they must go on medication because nobody cope with them. Not true that they need medication, they just need boundaries. The uh, pine trees are always too slow. I will be honest with you, in my third year of practical teaching, I said I will never go back to primary school. All the teachers said when I did my practical teaching is hurry up. I said, I'm busy studying four years to tell children hurry up. I went to a nursery school where I don't need to tell them hurry up, we just can't okay. Yeah, so we need to take the children's temperaments in account. Otherwise we lose them. If we force that little lollipop girl that is so shy, or that boy, so shy, I wish I could have seen you, I've got videos of this, to demonstrate that that little boy standing there in the corner is watching. This pine tree is leaning there and he go after the kiddies party, he said, wow, what a nice party, he didn't talk to anybody. <laughs> it's all we need to take in account how that child think and what is important for that child. Otherwise, we give them the most important message and they miss the decision for that message. What makes children secure? What makes you influence a child? How do you get relationships? What is your responsibility? I think most of these questions I've answered for you. It's your responsibility to acknowledge, to take that knowledge, to condense it, that you can give it to them in 10 minutes. It's your responsibility to be prepared. Uh, you can only influence a child if you've got relationship. You must be authentic. We've addressed all these issues. Uh, what makes a child secure? Give him a voice. Take him an account. Don't force a child that cannot stand up and talk to stand up and talk. When I, my first year as a teacher, I had an alphabetical order list who is today the leader. I've damaged a few children. They don't want to lead, they want to follow, and I force them to lead. So we must be careful what we do. Uh, I had to ask God a lot of forgiveness to, uh, yeah. Impact. Introduce children to the presence of God. Minister to their needs. Pray for them always. Pray, pray, pray for the children in your community and your church. Accept them just like Jesus would accept them. Connect with them, build relationship, and train a team. Your children are five years old, or your children are 16 years old. These are basic principles of how to cater for the child that stands in front of you. Last thing I said to you, and I did check it with, with Lewis, I've just put this one on. I will give him the ad as well to distribute for the people. 
I told you about the group that we formed, GAP, that we changed now to Access. This is quite a few churches in Joburg. There is not in Joburg anymore a decent children's seminar for children. And they're going to have one on the 6th of May this year for the first time. I think we did not have a children's uh, ministry seminar for over five years now in Joburg. And uh, it's, a, it's a group of people together that's doing it. Linden is involved with it. Uh, Roosevelt Park Baptist Church, Northcliff Union Church, uh, the, I always forget what's their name, uh, New Covenant Church, Bryanston is in it. So it's all, it's about 12 churches that stand together. And they're going to have breakout rooms where you can choose what you want to listen to and uh, really something that I can say. Think about it. It's one of those uh, possibilities where your team or yourself can get knowledge about children uh, or youth. So that is it. The, any questions that you want addressed? You can give it to me. If I cannot answer it short, I'm going to address it after the meal. Because it, I am correct, it is now meal time. Huh? Let me just double check before I take your question. Yes. Yes. Ask. Is it possible that the child can have all other children? Very good question. Very good question. 85% of people is a combination. Why I like tall tree leadership profiles, which is that is. That's why I've got evergreen parenting, is the parenting styles. The different temperaments fall under tall tree leadership profile. You hear the same. Evergreen parenting, tall trees. Same basis. Same uh, principles. But with it, why I personally like tall tree leadership profiles is they give you the combination, but we as humans, are not just combinations. We react in different environments differently. So those tests and the take in account what is your social profile, what is your work profile, what is your life view profile, and that give you your tall tree. So 85% of people are combinations. I, up till now, I've been doing courses and uh, I use it especially in counselling. Before I counsel children or parents, I first find out what the leadership profile is. And just if you think I'm making money, I don't. I charge them what I pay for it because I work for the church. But then I, um, the, what did I want to say now? The, then from there on, I, I know what to expect. And then you teach a family how they accommodate one another into. And what I like of it as well, it is internationally recognized. And what they've got that is very unique, there's also cultural filters. What do I mean by cultural filters? And that is one of our main problems in South Africa. 
Africans and Afrikaners miss one another on general level. Why? African filter, filters are palm filters. A palm tree works for a community. The Ubuntu whole principle comes naturally. Where does the Afrikaner come from? From the German background. Out of Europe. Right, wrong, right, wrong. So we sit in this country with challenges of people that make a country, must take a country forward. One, say, look what you're doing wrong, wrong, wrong. This one says it's the best for the community. Do you see how we miss one another? And that's why I like it. tall trees, because they take that in account. Your Italians, your Portuguese people, your Greek people are palm tree filters in the society. All these ones, it's actually a fascinating field to follow because also, and I don't know where the African language go, I don't think it is a nasal language, which Afrikaans is very nasal, that everything comes out of your nose here. If you go and have a look at the sounds behind it, People that speak German, Afrikaans, all those languages are far more serious people. They never smile because there's not enough oxygen going to their brain. <laughs> African people are happy people. Now you get these straight faces and happy faces and they must make a country work. Let's go and eat. Joseph needs to tell you.